Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you don't know how to find Second Chronicles in your Bible, it's right after First Chronicles. Um, that probably won't help you much if you didn't know where to find Second Chronicles. But uh, how many people here, I just want to ask this, you actually have memorized the books of the Bible, like their order, kind of, sort of? I mean, that was a thing um, I kind of, like, I grew up going to private Christian school, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Why, why am I doing this? And honestly, later in life, I'm like, I'm so glad. You know, knowing your Bible and knowing where to find things in the Word of God, I'm just going to put it out there that in this day and age, in every day and age since we've had the Word of God tangibly in print, uh, it's valuable for us to know it and to know where to find things in it. Uh, so I would just challenge you with that. Uh, you know, just maybe you, you, you need to make some goals. Just be like, I'm going to memorize where things are in the Bible. Maybe, maybe it's like, I'm even going to open my Bible this week. You know, that's a good goal for some people. You know, not wait till next Sunday till I preach and tell you to open it again. But uh, when we come to the Word of God, uh, what we're believing and what we're looking for is the fact and the truth that God uses time in history and what he's done in his story. Now, let me, this is just kind of a side tangent. Let, let's rephrase our lives and reframe them in the aspect of we are not living out our lives trying to see how God fits into it. We are actually a part of the story of God that started in Genesis and it will end when Jesus returns. And we are trying to find our place and how to walk with God in his story. So though scripture and the canon of scripture closed, Acts actually doesn't have an ending. The Acts of the Apostles. We are actually living out our lives as a part of the story of God. And he speaks today and he moves today and he does it according to the truth of his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's just for free. But today, I want to lean into a question, and I want to read 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5 to 12 first. And I want to lean into something that I hope is helpful and practical for all of us today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And what do we got here? Keith, is this NLT up here today? Great. I'm going to read out of my Bible if it sounds a little bit different. It's because my favorite Bible is an NLT first edition, and then they changed every, like, 10 or 12 words in the second edition. So when I read out of my Bible, it doesn't look the same as on the screen. But can we believe that God still wants to speak? Amen? Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 5. Now, what's happened here is the children of Israel are kind of in a difficult place. Multiple armies have seemed to come up against them and join together on all sides, and it's a little bit overwhelming. Have you ever been in that place in your life where it's like, God, if one more thing seems to join with all the other things that feel like they are against my life, I'm going to get overwhelmed. It's going to be a little bit much. And this is what's happening. We, we face it a lot of the time in the tangible uh, or the intangibles of life uh, by means of worry, frustrations, anxieties. Uh, they're facing it in like literal armies coming from all different nations, joining together. And it, and it really does on the surface look like everyone and everything is against them. 
And in first or second Chronicles chapter 20, it says this. So Jehoshaphat, he's the king of the time, stood before the people of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. When it feels like everything's against you, I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe you should pray. He prayed. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here, and they built this temple for you. They said, whenever we are faced with any, everyone say any, any calamity such as war, disease, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honored. Can I just say this? This is where the enemy wants to break your life. The enemy wants to break your life in war, spiritual warfare, war in relationships, war in your own heart and your spirit, in disease, sickness, things decaying, breakdown of so many areas of life, or famine, feeling like you're starving, you're not being fed, you're not being fulfilled, and you chase everything in life and you're left empty. But it says we can come to the presence of the Lord, stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you, save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now we see that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and they did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. Now here's a phrase. We do not know what to do. But we are looking to you for help. Some translations say, Lord, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And practically today, I want to dive into this question. I want to ask us this question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Because often we're looking for that answer in the moment where we need an answer. But if we don't have a plan or a standard or an anchoring point, when we get to that place, we don't know what to do. So I want us to lean in today because I believe that God has given us tools and he's given us some very practical things that we can do. Because we have to be able to answer that question where we say, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Because there will be days and there will be moments where you don't know what to do. There will be situations that arise in your life. There will be enemy attack on your life. There will be relational breakdown at times. There will be hard things that you face. And the question is, what do you do when you don't know what to do in those situations? My question to you is, where do you go? Because we all go somewhere. Time and time again, we've seen it, we've heard the stories, and it's unfortunate, and we wonder, how could someone throw their life away? How could they let this all fall apart? They had so many good things because they didn't know where to go when they didn't know what to do. 
So whether they went to a substance, whether they went to an escape, whether they went to something that they shouldn't have gone to, we all go somewhere when we don't know what to do. And the question we have to answer for ourselves is where do we go? When we don't know what to do, what are the things that we try to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves feel like things are okay? How do we get to those places and what are the things we ultimately let lead us when we don't know what to do? Because it seems kind of pedantic and repetitive, but when we're saying, well, if I don't know what to do, how can I be blamed for doing the wrong things? And you shouldn't feel guilty and you shouldn't feel shame, but what I'm saying today is this, is that when you don't know what to do, if you haven't determined some things beforehand, when you're really stuck, when you're frustrated, when you're in that place, you have no pattern or path to follow, and so you will let anything and everything lead you to different things, and it might not take you to the place you want to end up. Chaos and confusion will always call us to scramble, rush, and confuse the little that we do know in our lives. Have you ever noticed that? You know something. You know some truth. You've lived it out. You've walked it before. But when chaos and confusion comes, when heartbreak comes, when difficult seasons come, when you face something you weren't expecting, chaos and confusion wants to try and get you to scramble in your heart, scramble in your mind, scramble in your actions, to take you out of the path and the process of the little that you do know. Isn't it amazing how sometimes when you're in an emergency situation, if you don't have a plan, if you've never learned something, you forget the simple things that you do know? It's like we all watch movies, right? And, and, and we see something terrible is about to happen or someone's stuck or something's going on. And you're like, you're stuck in that car. Just break the window. Just do that. Just do this. And it's like, why don't they do it? Because when you are in that moment... Sometimes the feelings, the emotions, the overwhelmness can be so clouding and so covering that you forget the instinctive things that you do know. And often in our lives, I believe that the enemy, life, simply the devil trying to distract us and keep us from pursuing on forward, trusting Jesus, will try to use any chaos and confusion he can to cause us to forget the few things that we're sure of and that what we do know. See, what I want you to know today is that if we want to know what to do when we don't know what to do, we got to put a pattern in place. we got to determine ahead of time some things that we need to work on. You know, chaos and confusion, it, it just makes for some interesting outcomes and usually not favorable ones. Being a youth pastor for 15 plus years, this is the one thing I loved about youth retreat games and, and life was I was in control of them, but there was never any real rules. And uh, if your last name was Murda, this drove you nuts. All my youth leaders. Like, we're playing a relay game, and I would switch the rule for no reason midstream. And I would watch some of my leaders' face and be like, that's not fair. That's not right. And it's like, okay, but in the midst of the chaos, what are you going to do? 
How are you going to respond? And, and there's nothing like uh, 150 teenagers playing one game all together, and you throw a curveball, and it just gets crazy. I remember one time we were playing capture the flag. We had four quadrants, but instead of like bean bags and other things, it was like this running game. Um, I put a pig snout, cow's tongue, and dead fish that they had to pick up and carry back to their side. It was like kind of this king's court thing. And then I would throw these random rules out there, and I'll like next thing I know, I have a youth leader chasing kids around and hitting them with a cow's tongue on the back and like teenage girls like holding dead fish like screaming not knowing what to do or like you know one of the boys would throw it at them to like keep going and the girl just does this and like it falls to the ground and there was fish guts everywhere and everyone smelled and then right after we decided to do a paint war where uh, everyone was wet and we threw colored paint like like the color runs all over everyone it was a great time can i tell you the rhyme or reason behind it absolutely not chaos and confusion just let a whole lot of outcomes happen you want to know why kids break their arms at youth camp because chaos and confusion breaks out and as long as you remember how to get them to the hospital afterwards you're okay and fill out the insurance forms, you know? Remember the little that you're supposed to know. But when you don't know what to do in life, the overwhelmed feelings, the chaos, the confusion, it will cause you to say, maybe I should try this, maybe I should run to that. Maybe this uh, thing that I thought was gonna carry me through isn't working anymore, and so we chase and we move towards other things. But what I'm saying today is that if we don't know what to do, especially in our spiritual lives, especially when it comes to following Jesus, especially when it comes to doing the right things to be a man or a woman of God, we need a pattern and we need some practical things that are going to help us. Because let me tell you this, there will be days, there will be mornings, there will be seasons where you do, know not, do not know how to respond or what to do because the chaos, the confusion, the overwhelmed feelings will be so much that if you don't have a pattern to go to, you you open yourself up to doing some very dangerous things. And so what I want you to know is when you don't know what to do, we must do some things that lead us down a pattern. And so the first thing today is I would, I would argue and I would say to you practically, when you find yourself in a situation in a place where you don't know what to do, I would say find a way to get before the Lord. When you don't know what to do, Find a way to get before the Lord. Everyone say, do that. Come on, when you don't know what to do, do that. Find a way to get into the presence of God, to get before the Lord. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13 and 14 says this, And as the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came. These men did not know what to do in light of all these armies, but they did know enough to get their families, their wives, and everyone around them to the presence of God. Come on, when you don't know what to do and you don't know how to overcome a situation, I would say find a way to get into the presence of the Lord. Find a way to stand before the Lord. It's amazing to me how we find so many different things when we're scrambling, when we're living in chaos, when we're hurt, when we're broken, and we find it near impossible to get before the Lord. And I don't want to say this to sound condemning to anyone, but I seriously believe that so many families face chaos because when they don't know what to do with their young people, with their teenagers, with what's going on in the world around them, they have not 
not made a way to get before the Lord and get their kids into the presence of God. And when they fail to do that, you are asking for chaos and confusion to offer a whole lot of paths that God never meant for your family. When you don't know what to do, find a way to get into the presence of the Lord. Oh, but pastor, it's your job. We're busy. I I know we're busy. We're all busy. But I'll tell you what, you find a way to do the things that you know you need to do. You find a way to get things done when you really want it. This astounds me, and I, and I did this to my parents, and I probably tortured them because of this. My brother and I, when we would want to do something on the acreage, uh, uh, we would uh, find ways, and I don't know how much of my dad's stuff we broke by creating things, or you know, we would tow things behind quads, and uh, I cut the back out of one of my mother's couches because I needed the fabric for something else. Uh, there are all these things like... If we wanted to do something, we would find a way to make it happen. I have teenagers now. And it started. Like, I have come into places where things have been cut, broken, moved, torn out of my house. No logical reason. But then I look at the ingenuity and I be like, I don't know whether to be angry or proud that they actually found a way to make happen what they needed to happen. There was a better way to do it, but they got it done. And, and, and you know, in our lives, I think sometimes we, we make this getting into the presence of the Lord and, and, and casting our lives before him when we're overwhelmed, when we're distraught, when we're struggling with our kids. We make it this big spiritual thing. I, I'm just saying this, just find a way. Find a way to get to a small group. Find a way to get to church. Find a way to put worship music on in your house so the presence of the Lord starts to fill that place. Find a way to slip out for half an hour and get in your car by yourself and pray and cry out to God and get before him. Because when you don't know what to do, you will often chase escapes and other things and they will not benefit your life. we got to find a way to get before the Lord. So we actually can get some clear vision on what we should be doing in that situation. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? We find a way to get before the Lord. But secondly, I I believe that if we don't know what to do, we need to make sure we've made choices that lead us so our feelings don't. Come on now. If I were to ask you, what do you do when you don't know what to do? I would say, find a way to get in the presence of the Lord. But I would say, make sure you've made choices to lead your life before your feelings try to lead your life. Well, that's good advice right there. Because your feelings are not your friend. My feelings are very much not my friend a lot of the time. And I need to make choices in my life to lead my life before my feelings try to tell me to do other things. And so when I don't know what to do, when you don't know what to do, we got to get to a place before the Lord, and we need to make sure we've made a decision where we said, God, I will make these choices, and I will lead my life by these principles, and I will walk this way, because you won't always feel like honoring the decisions that you've made. But if you've never made the decision beforehand, you will not make the right decision when your feelings and emotions are leading you. Psalm 119, verse 11 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. 
This is David saying, I've had to put your truth, your way to live my life, your word, your promises inside of my life. Why? So when I don't know what to do, I don't sin against you. I default to the pattern of your word that's already in me. Joshua said it this way to the people of Israel. You need to choose today who you're going to serve. And the people were like, oh, well, we'll see if it gets difficult again. And that's why Joshua says to them, like, greatest motivational leader speech ever. It's too difficult for you to serve the Lord. Like, imagine me looking at the congregation and be like, yeah, you say you'll serve the Lord, but I know it's difficult. So, I mean, that's, not, that's between you and God. You need to choose to serve the Lord. The people are like, yeah, yeah, we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua's like, ah, some of you aren't going to serve the Lord. Great vote of confidence there, Joshua. He goes, well, then choose. Because you need to choose before you're in a situation that's going to lead you down a path that destroys and breaks your life. How many have made a decision in their life and they remember that I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what? No matter how, whether or not it works out the way I want, you made those decisions? Those are painful decisions, let me tell you. I remember one of those moments. I don't know if I've ever shared this from a stage. I remember a moment where we were really young in youth ministry, and we were at a youth retreat, and someone, uh, good friends of ours, were preaching that weekend, and I remember... I'm supposed to be pastoring all these kids and all this stuff. And I remember God just saying, I need, you, I need some space and time with you. And I remember getting on my face at the altar. And I remember my left foot. And, and, and why I know is my left foot, because it's really weird, I'm right-handed. But when I play soccer, other things, my left leg is more dominant. It's my stronger foot. It's my kicking foot. All this stuff. And my left foot it completely cramped and tightened to the place I couldn't straighten my leg. or in the, And I, like, I was in pain. And I was like, God, what are you doing? And th- this, is, this is a core memory for me. And I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say, Jeremy, if you're going to lead people, you don't get to walk however you want to walk anymore. And it was like, Lord? Yeah, yeah, I'm willing. And it's like, no. And, and the pain didn't go away right away. It was like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm going to serve you. And he's like, no, no. I want to know, have you chosen to follow me? Have you chosen to serve me? And I don't know how many times since that happened years ago where I face things in my personal life, where I face things in our church, where I face things in transition and all these things, where I say, God, I just want to do this, or God, this should be happening to that. And, and I remember that, and I almost feel the feeling where God says, but you promised me, you told me that you would walk how I call you to walk. And church, you don't know how difficult that is some days. And some of you have been there, but there are mornings when you wake up and you say, God, I wish I could just. And he says, yeah, but I've asked you. And you say, okay, Lord. I will serve you through loss. I will serve you when it's not easy. I will serve you when it's good. I will walk how you call me to walk. I will preach what you ask me to preach, not my opinions and how I feel. That's a big one for preachers. I determined a long time ago, Lord, there are so many days I'd love to say things. He says, no, no, you don't get to say things. You get to speak for me. God says, I get to say things. I get to speak to my people. You just get to carry that and be a part of that. 
And there's that constant reminder that there are decisions that I've made that say, God, I will serve you no matter what. And I ask you this. It might not be in a vocational call, but have you taken inventory of your life? Has there been a moment in time and day and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. And when that job falls apart, it's not a question about what are you going to chase and where are you going to go. You say, I'm going to serve the Lord. When things are difficult in your relationships, let's not be angry at God and all those things. And, and let's be honest, you can be very emotional and transparent before the Lord, but it should never sway the determination that you've made to say, God, I'm going to serve you because I have made a decision to serve the Lord all the days of my life, whether my feelings want to or not. Because choices lead and feelings need to follow. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? I pray that you make a decision that says, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be a man of God because being a man of God and doing the right thing is the right thing in every situation, whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to be a woman of God that cries out to the Lord and pulls on his presence because even when it feels like everything's falling apart, I will not let go of my Savior. Even though everything inside you screams and rages and just wants to throw it all off. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You got to get before the Lord. You got you to make sure you've made choices that lead so your feelings have something to follow. But number three this morning, I, I, I think one of the most important things for us to do when we don't know what to do is that we need to trust that the Spirit of God is moving and working even when we don't see it. Right, like we sing this in nice songs like Waymaker, you know, we're not singing it again, but uh, worship team's like, no, we're tired of that song. Even when I don't see it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop, and we sing those things. But when, when we don't know what to do, how many know our first question is, God, what are you doing? He's working. God, why is this happening? I'm working. God, when is this going to be over? Just trust me, I'm working. Lord, why are you so frustrating sometimes? I'm working. <laughs> it goes on later in Scripture, I'm actually working for your good. I I'm working on your behalf. Psalm 121, if we turn there, it says this. Psalm 121, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. This is a pretty profound psalm. Lord, when I don't know what to do, do I look to the mountains? Do I, do I look to those high mountaintop experiences? Do I look and chase something that I think is going to make my life easier or better? Or do I look to you, Lord? Do I look to the place where my trust is in you? This one's a really hard one for me. Because we should be able to rest knowing that God is working. 
We should be able to rest and trust sometimes when we can't fix things because we actually believe and know that God is working. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He watches over us. He's beside us. And sometimes the answer to what you're facing and going through is not in making a move. It's in waiting in the fact and trusting that God has not stopped working. He won't stop working. So you need to rest and trust in that fact as you follow him. But I'm like, God, why would I rest when I could do something? Why would I rest when I think I could make this better? And then the Lord or my wife is like, no, you're making it worse. Just stop. <laughs> Who said that the other week? Uh, Sammy Robinson. He's like, he's, well, he said about his wife confirmed a word that he got. He goes, how many know your wife is a pretty version of the Holy Spirit? The best looking version you'll ever hear, guys. We should be able to rest because God doesn't. And I've learned this a little bit, and I probably need to learn it a little bit more, is that my restlessness, as hard as it is to overcome, doesn't mean that God stopped working. I'm not restless because God stopped working. I'm restless because I've stopped trusting him. Ouch. And my restlessness isn't going to make God move any faster. And I'm like, why? Don't you love me, Lord? Yeah, I love you. And sometimes you come back to the place where you realize that God walking through something with you is more beneficial and important than him instantly taking you out of it. We should be able to trust and rest because God is continually working and your restlessness, my restlessness, it doesn't mean he stopped, but it's not going to make him move any faster. And sometimes what we need to do is say, okay, Lord, then I'm going to get back in your presence. I'm going to follow the choices I've made before my feelings are telling me to do other things. And I'm going to trust and I'm going to rest in the fact that even though I can't fix this, this is your battle, not mine. And I'm going to keep trusting you. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You get before the presence of the Lord. You make some choices to lead your life so your feelings don't lead your life. You trust that God is moving and he is working. But number four this morning is this. You remind yourself of what you do know and what God's already told you. Remind yourself. How many people do this? You're like, you're in a tough situation. There's so much good going on. But there's so much pressure and so, much, so many other things. And you're frustrated and you're worked up. And, you know, when that twinge comes, it's like, and the Lord's like, but this is so good. And you're like, yeah, but. And you hit that butt right away, right? Like you, you transition so quickly back to the thing that you're living in and the frustration and the heaviness and all that stuff where you don't even give a minute to rest in the, the good things and the true things and the things that you do know. And that's a constant battle before, between the flesh and the spirit being at war with one another because the spirit of God will quicken you to remind you that he loves you. It'll quicken you to remind you that he's been there before. He'll lead you again. 
He'll quicken to remind you that there are good things going on just as much as the the negative things simultaneously and that you can trust him because he's going to walk with you. He's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. But when do we stop and reflect on the things where we say, God, I I need to remind myself of the things I don't know when I'm stuck in in a chaos of emotions where I don't know what to do. Psalm 63, verse 6 to 8 says this. It says, I lie awake thinking of you. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I usually lie awake not thinking of the Lord. (laughs) Anyone else brave enough to admit that? I lie awake thinking about my bank account. I lie awake thinking about how I'm going to fix the situation. I lie awake thinking about how frustrated I am. I lie awake turning over and over again the things that happen in the day. But the psalmist says, no, no, I, I lie awake thinking of you. Meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. So I will sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Man, what a, what a difference. What a difference when we don't know what to do, when we got to remind ourselves of who God is and, and what he's already told us. What we need to remember is what he's done, what he's said, what we actually do know, that he loves us, he cares, he won't leave us, he won't forsake us, he has saved us, he has brought us out of the pit and into a life with him. And when we lie awake at night in the frustration, all those things, we got to tell our souls, we got to tell our minds, we need to switch the narrative and say, I'm going to lie awake and I'm going to think think of the Lord. I'm going to think of how he's rescued me. I'm going to think of how good he is. I'm going to think of how his thoughts towards me are good and peaceful and prosperous. How he's walking beside me even though I'm facing this thing and I'm going to lie there and I'm going to actually find a song of joy in the dark season because God is good whether the season is dark or not and these are not easy things to do but he says I'm going to lie awake and I'm going to cling to you Lord. I'm not going to cling to the anxiety. I'm not going to cling to the emotions. I'm not going to cling to the frustration. But as humans, we love that. I love that. You ever in a fight with your spouse and the Holy Spirit tells you you should go apologize? You're like, no, I want to hang on just a little bit longer. I want them to apologize. And usually if you're the one saying that, that's the reason why the Holy Spirit's talking to you first. Because our human nature loves holding on to what we think we're justified in and we can control. And let me tell you, it doesn't change anything for the better. It's difficult, but sometimes we need to open our hand and let go of those things and say, Lord, I'm going to cling to you. Because I, I said in team rally this morning, you know, you, you look around in Alberta right now, you see the smoke. I, I don't know how families are feeling and 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 some of us probably know someone affected by the fires and there's this cloud there's this heaviness there's all of this stuff and, and I think about this that in our lives all of it is so temporal and yet we hang on to all these emotions around stuff and things and they should deeply affect us but we got to get back to the place we say Lord I'm going to cling to you Because I ultimately can't fix or change all of these things. I can partner with God. I can do all that I'm called to do. But at the end of the day, all I really have is Jesus. And I need to cling to him. And so sometimes you need to remind yourself of what God has 
already done or what he's already told you. Let's have the band come back up. Psalm 119, verse 148. It says this. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promises. I, I was just reading some of these scriptures again this week and I'm like, Lord, maybe David was a much better man than I. I wish I could say the truth of my life is when I'm awake at night and I'm staying awake, it's thinking about the promises of God and no, usually it's thinking about all the things I could or want to do or want to try to do to change things, but maybe God's just calling us back to a place of trust that says, when you don't know what to do, do this, do that. Get your mind on his promises. Get your heart back to what he's already said because it, it hasn't changed. Your world might look like it's never going to happen, but his promises are still true. They haven't changed. We might need to learn to trust a little bit more that he's still working. I really can't overemphasize how important it is that we make some decisions that are going to lead our lives, whether we feel like it or not. I am just telling you, young person, young married couple, older people, realign your hearts, make those decisions before the Lord again, that I will serve the Lord, I will walk in his ways, I will follow his truth, I will be a man or woman of God according to the word of God because it is the right thing to do. It's the way that God is leading me because society and culture and the world around us and your emotions are not your friend. They will lead you to believe that anything and everything will fill that void and bring you peace, but at the end of the day, it will still leave you wanting and searching and with the need to come back to Jesus. But thankfully, we can come back to Jesus. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? Five things. Number one, find a way to get before the Lord. Whatever you gotta do, Find a place in his presence. Find a place in his house. Find a way to bring it into your home, into your family. Number two, make sure you've made choices that lead so your feelings don't have to. So your feelings have something that's true and trustworthy to follow. Number three, make sure that we trust the spirit of God is moving and working. Come back to that place, say, God, I, I don't understand any of this, but I trust you. I'll put my trust, my hope, my faith in you. Number four, remind yourself of what you do know and what God's already told you. And number five, when you don't know what to do, keep walking. Keep moving forward with your heart set to pursue the presence of Jesus and the leading of his Holy Spirit. Stop chasing, just keep walking. Keep walking with Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm gonna pursue your presence. I'm gonna pursue your word. I'm gonna follow where your spirit is leading. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verse 15 to 17, this, this scripture for the last year to me has meant so 
much about what God wants to see for homes and families and people before the Lord. When, and I've alluded to this time and time again, that when the men of Judah, they stood with their wives, their little ones, they got them into the presence of God, the Spirit of God came. And when we come back to the place where we say, God, sometimes we're struggling, sometimes we don't understand everything, but when we come back to this place where we say, Lord, we need to hear your voice, we need to know what you want, we're committed to walking the direction you want us to go. They didn't pick up, pack up, and take off in light of all the armies. They came to the presence of the Lord and they said, Lord, which direction? How do we walk? When do we take steps? What do we do? And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 to 17, it says this. The word of the Lord came and the prophet said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Man, if the people of God could hear anything when it comes to their kids and their families and the way the world is going, I, I wish they could hear this. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by all these things that are coming against God's plan, His design, His people, the church. God is still in control. We get so worked up and so worried sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't ever fight any battles. It just means we don't have to be fearful and cowering in the face of all of them. For the battle is not yours, but God's. So tomorrow march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent at Ziz at the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Israel. But you will not even need to fight. But take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. For he is with you. Do not be afraid or be discouraged. But go out tomorrow for the Lord is with you. And the phrases I keep hearing in this scripture is when we don't know what to do, we shouldn't run, we shouldn't throw in the towel, we, we can't give up, but what we can do is we can take our place before the Lord, we can get back into the things that he's called us to do, we can walk out our days, we can walk out our jobs, we can walk out our lives knowing that the battle is not solely ours. Some battles we partner with God and some battles we say, God, I'm gonna keep walking the direction you're sending me and I'm gonna trust you for the outcome. And so what it says is they said they didn't even need to fight, but they still had to take their position. They still had to get up. They still had to move in the same direction that God was moving. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You keep walking with Jesus. You keep asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what step do I take next? What direction do you want me to face? When do you want me to stand up? When do you want me to shut up and trust you? Because there are a lot of times we, we fight ourselves and we fight the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 says this. Why don't we stand? Second Chronicles 20, verse 12 says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We're so powerless against this great, this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, I, I pray.
I pray that every time we find ourselves in this situation, we might wake up, we might hear this in our spirit. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God, I don't know which direction to turn, but my eyes are on you, and I'm going to walk the direction you point me to walk. God, my eyes are on you, and I'm going to determine to get myself into your presence. God, my eyes are on you, and I'm going to remind myself of who you are and what you've said. God, my eyes are on you, and I'm going to trust that you're working even when I don't see it and I don't understand what's going on. God, my eyes are on you, and I am going to put myself in a place to trust and keep walking in the choices and the truth of your word. Church, there will be days when you don't know what to do. But when they come, may we be a people that said, Lord, our eyes are on you. Saying, I'm going to position myself to see who God is, to know what he said, and to watch for where he wants to lead us. Amen? Can we just all lift our hands this morning? I want to pray over you. We have an incredible prayer team and they're gonna be here after I close the service. And I really do wanna encourage you. If there's been an area you've been struggling with and you, you would like someone to pray individually with you, they're here to do that and they would love to pray with you. But as we all kind of just stand before the Lord, I, I just really wanna pray over every single person in this body. The Heavenly Father, I pray right now so often in life we come to moments we come to situations where we might feel a little bit confused the chaos might feel a little bit overwhelming and god we would be honest if we said we don't really know what to do in some of those situations but god i pray today that as we stand before you our hearts would be stirred our our, our lives would be uh they would just be so enriched and, and impacted to say god but i know what i need to do is i need to get my eyes on you God I got to get to the place where I I find myself in the presence of the Lord I I need to come back to the choices that I've made even though my feelings want to take me somewhere else I, I need to remind myself of who you are and what you've said and what you've promised God I, I, I need to trust you even when I don't know how I'm gonna do that and Jesus I'm gonna keep walking with you because your spirit is gonna lead me into fullness and wholeness and in this life and in the life to come. So Heavenly Father, I pray over every single person in this room that maybe they're not in one of those moments right now, but if they are, would you cover them? Would you be there right beside them? Would you ring these words in their ears and in their hearts ever so true that you are with them through whatever it is? But God, in the days where we all have these times and emotions, I just pray that we would be quickened in our spirits to know I need to, get, I need to get my eyes back on Jesus. I don't know what to do with this right now. I, I need to get my eyes back to the presence of the Lord. God, may we be a people that stands before you and looks for your voice and pursues your presence in a way that says, God, I don't want to go anywhere if you're not taking me there. So God, I pray that you would bring just great healing and peace and strength to those who need it this morning. For those of us that just need to be reminded and encouraged, God, may we take these truths deep into our lives that we would practically be able to stand and keep walking in the day that we have when it comes. 
So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.